Welcome to the Melbourne Business School podcast series. I'm Jan Marshall, and with me today is Professor Gabriel Suter here at Melbourne Business School. Gabriel's background is both German and French, and she's worked in more than 20 countries, both highly developed and emerging, and in senior leadership and academic roles. She's worked with organisations as diverse as the UN, JETRO, OECD, and the European Union. So she's well-versed to talk to us today about our topic, which is communicating in a multicultural workplace. Gabrielle, to start us off, what are some of the elements that create effective intercultural exchange in workplaces? Thank you, Jen, for having me. Uh, your question is very important, very timely, because of the international exposure that Australia enjoys, both onshore and also offshore. So companies are actively looking into the most effective ways in which we can manage onshore and offshore-based employees and in which we can equip managers to effectively manage local and non-local resources. So basically work as effective as possible um, across teams within the organization, but also with stakeholders um, um, who we negotiate with externally and who we work with, whether that is onshore or whether that is internationally, say Asia region or beyond that. So communicating in a multicultural workplace includes such things as, well, first of all, having an awareness, really knowing um, about diversity, identifying uh, diversity, and um, um, learning about it, being um, not only aware, but also ready and willing to take diversity on because diversity, different cultures, and the way in which we create value through this actually um, makes teams more efficient and effective. So I imagine communications that we're talking about go far beyond knowing how to correctly greet somebody. We're really talking about those nuances that we need to pick up to get the most out of those communications and enable people to do their work. Yes, absolutely, you're, you're right. So on the one level, we think um, about etiquette, how to greet somebody, how to pass on a business card, where should we sit, uh, say, a head of delegation or, or somebody who's particularly important in an organization. Um, that's sort of the surface, that's the tip of, of the iceberg. There's much more in this. Um, just to give you an idea of people within our teams, within organizations, Forbes had run a very interesting survey recently about how, how willing and ready um, employees are to present to even to their team members in their own unit, in their own, own portfolio. And 20% of the survey respondents said they would do almost anything to avoid giving a presentation or reporting on their work uh, in front of their own colleagues. Um, so that is something that um, is increasingly so when we have multicultural teams. So it is a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that can relatively easily be overcome, again, through learning and through coaching and training. Uh, however, that is the re reality. So those, uh, that idea of presenting to your colleagues about what you may have been doing at work um, or even if, you know on a weekly basis becomes quite challenging in a multicultural setting in as much that 
in Australia, perhaps we might be quite happy to put forward an idea to our manager. We might even challenge our manager's views, but we might be sitting at a table with others for whom that doesn't come naturally or comfortably. They're not familiar with challenging their managers. So that dynamic alone would perhaps intimidate people when it comes to their turn to, to present. Yes, absolutely. Most certainly. Well, in Australia, as you're saying, we are um, we're relatively open to communication. We are um, used to informing um, our teams, but also our managers, um, our leadership very regularly. Um, employees are expected to be rather self-reliant in the way in which they function, uh, but also in the way in which they communicate. Um, so there is a, a certain culture of, of where I would call it presenting. Uh, it's really communicating. Um, but um, that differs from, from, from different cultures, really. So say, for example, um, somebody from India may uh, possibly be, be um, more used to something that is an appreciation of, the, of a top-down uh, management style. So the communication is just a little different as in, um, say, say um, using first names. In Australia, that's something we do immediately and it doesn't really matter on which, on which um, uh, level in the organization people are, it just comes naturally. In India, you may also use the first name. However, that doesn't have the same implications. So we can't actually expect then that there's less formality towards managers. That's a subtle nuance. You can't always pick that up easily, but it is there. Um, uh, again, if you look at, at Indonesia, um, leaders are uh, more directive than what we have here in Australia. Um, so there's more of that management control and delegation. Again, that really influences how people function and communicate. And there's um, a very strong um, focus on on relationship harmony as well. So dealing with a certain conflict or being challenged within a team meeting or within a workplace um, presentation is something that then becomes much more confronting. So what advice might you have for people who are from a different cultural, ethnic background and they find themselves uh, reporting to a manager in Australia, they find themselves in this setting, how might they uh, go about their presentation? What base might they start from? Mm, that's a very good question and I think it's really, it has two facets to it. So it's um, it's a give-give-win-win situation between the manager and the team members. Um, both have a responsibility. Um, the manager, of course, aims to, um, well, for, for certain pragmatic goals, for the objectives, for reaching those objectives and, and for certain results. To achieve them when you have a team that is rather monocultural, that is a relatively straightforward thing to do if you're looking for one way of doing. However, when you have a diverse team, where the probably pretty obvious uh, advantage of that is many different perceptions, many different ideas, and you need to be able to leverage those, where to, to 
collate them, to leverage them, and to and to manage them. So that's the side of the manager, the employee, the the team member that you're asking about. Um, also has a responsibility, which is is, is really around well. Um, opening up, making sure that those perspectives are actually heard and are considered a value, an opportunity, a great other option to consider. And when that actually is the case, then we know that um, diverse teams, so multicultural term, uh, teams, outperform monocultural teams in regards to problem solving and finding solutions. Some of the keys um, include, um, well, first of all, really that you know and you respect your own culture. It is not because you're changing country, it's not because you're changing context that your culture would be less important. Um, it's a good contribution and it is actually a good thing to know what is different and what is similar uh, in regards to the the culture of the host country when you're from abroad. So that's something that is really important. Um, you also, as a team member, need to know that it is respected. So your culture is not considered as something less relevant, but again, it is considered as a value. And that's why I spoke about the manager's responsibility. That's, that's really crucial at this moment, at this moment in time. Um, be open, interested to the other. So that's all around learning, training, exploring and, and potentially coaching because there are, of course, solutions that, that we can propose for that. So what ways might a manager in a group situation introduce the idea of those cultural differences as um, both being beneficial to the team and being respectful. So is it a matter of in a meeting, for example, pausing to say something about how one might operate in this moment given the, the difference? So there's a slight awkwardness about saying we're different and honouring that and not being too pointed about that difference. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, as you're saying, a, a real need to pause and think. And from time to time, that is just really hard for people, organizations, individuals in, um, in, in a setting, in a society and in a competitiveness, a competitive environment where we just need to go so fast and we need to be pragmatic and we need to push things forward. So taking from time to time the moment, a moment to, to, to ponder what are those different diversity values that can actually uh, broaden the scope of action. For example, that could um, enhance the market reach of what you're doing in regards to your products or services. There are a lot of advantages that can come out of that. So the way in which we can define cultural diversity is really the difference between individuals um, on any attribute that might lead to the perception that another person is different from oneself. The danger of that is that one might become somewhat ethnocentric in, in saying, okay, it's my way that is the most productive way. Stepping back from that is really what, what is uh, the crucial um, um, solution here. 
to create, to solve problems faster in the long term is more important than having um, a, a very smooth, very standard type of way of processing things as they had been done before. So you talked about um, ways in which people can stop and think and, and imagine how a meeting may be run differently, how to be inclusive of others and respectful. What are some of the ways we can avoid the worst case scenarios in these situations? Um, well, different factors um, within such a setting of communication can, can, can help us avoid worst case scenarios in which well, I, I assume you would refer to things such as um, um, culture cause plunders uh, or, or, or conflict within a team. Now, we have a lot of control over, for example, the corporate culture, over strategy, over the way in which a unit or a portfolio or team is designed. Um, we have control over um, leadership culture, human resources and training. And so all of that actually um, is something that we can influence and potentially transform and change for the better. Um, diversity does need a certain investment. Diversity and multicultural management just means that there has to be a managerial and organizational approach to it, that there need to be positive mechanisms that actually enhance that. Um, that's, that's certainly what is underlying. Then again, there is so that's something we have control over. There are other aspects that we don't have that much control over, and that is because each team, each setting of multiculturalism will vary the one from the other. There will be distinctions, so the dynamics will be different. And that is why it's so important that the leader and the manager, uh, so it's basically a trickle-down type of process, um, has that attitude and can bring that attitude as a value to the entire team. And you've talked about an advantage of the diverse views, the, the better problem-solving aspects of um, making the most of your diverse cultural team. What happens if we tend to ignore this or we're, we're not necessarily good at it? In the worst case, what we can see is low employee engagement and real, really a low employee morale and an atmosphere that becomes um, potentially more and more um, hostile to a diversity of thinking, um, simply as in um, more conflict and less motivation on the job, so a poor job um, performance can potentially arise. Also less access to talents because finally the competition is out there for companies to, to get, obtain and retain the best talents uh, that are out there on the, on the human resources and job market. And that is something that um, yeah, you want to maintain. So, so showing yourself as an open, inclusive um, workplace and not only that, also to actually use multiculturalism in regards to, well, certainly your reputation, but um, 
the effectiveness in which people can work and thrive and make their own career, that's, that's something that is really important. What tools do people have to assist them in uh, starting to think about their ways of managing and being with this more multicultural workplaces here in Australia? There are different types of tools and I would, I would argue that one of the most important is one that creates trust. Trust is absolutely essential as we all know within an organizational setting and environment. It's really the power exerted in altering moods, evoking images, uh, inspiring, um, dealing with um, and managing expectations, maybe setting them relatively high because you know that's where you can and will uh, go and um, thrive with your multicultural teams if you actually handle them in the best way possible. So there are other keys, of course. Um, there are ways of um, enhancing the way in which you communicate with your teams or throughout your teams. Um, some are very, very simple, such as keeping your communication simple and straightforward and being open to input, to being challenged, to having an open ear for different perspectives, to um, make sure that um, you speak to many audiences. So one of the um, different tools that I like to teach about is what is called the audience approach. Um, it holds for, for presentations altogether, but it also holds for communication simply within your team setting. Um, so the audience approach is, um, uh, is defined by as many um, items as the word audience has letters. Um, a basically stands for analysis. So who is my audience? Who am I going to speak to today? Who is going to be in this meeting? How many will there be? Who, who is it actually? Um, so trying to analyze what's coming next. Um, understanding then for the you in, in audience, what is then knowledge of the subject? What's their knowledge of the diversity of opinions that I might encounter or that I might, that I might actually want to leverage? And then the demographics will reveal what is um, the age, the gender, the educational background, but also importantly, um, the origin. And many of us have different origins. We have a, today an almost globalized pathway where we grow up in one country, we have an education in another country, and throughout our career we change um, countries or at least regions which then influences our cultural background, really the package that we come from and what we can give. Uh, it's, it's very important to, from scratch, take that, have that curios curiosity about people. And if it's a conversation that you hold before the meeting, but more ideally, of course, you know just a little bit more about the people who will be in the room. Um, I stands for interest. Why are they here? Uh, do they need to be here because there's a hierarchical element to this that, you know, um, a sort of a, a compulsory aspect to it, who asked them to be in the meeting or in the presentation, or are they here for a particular interest they have, or maybe they have a particular 
additional um, skill, knowledge, expertise that makes them come to your meeting versus the ones where you would normally see them. So if you see somebody new in the room, that if your audience differs slightly from what you're expecting, there might actually be a really good reason you might just want to tap into it because it can create value. The environment is important, the needs is where, what are my audience's needs? Who, who am I serving and what, what do they need from me at which moment in time? So in your communication, um, you shouldn't be repeating things people know already, except in a, in a summary, in a, in a synopsis type of style, because you don't want to have people switch off with their attention. Our focus span is very short. Um, and it's even shorter when we're in meetings with people who have different accents and different backgrounds and use different types of jargon. So that's something important. Often we need to customize what we're doing and what we're saying. So what specific needs um, do you need to address? Um, and you always need to think two ways, the person who communicates, but also the person who's at the receiving end or the, you know, maybe it's an entire group. Finally, expectations. What does your audience expect to learn or to hear from you? Because even if it's a 15 minutes, very brief team meeting at the beginning of the week, people want to get something out of it. What is it? What can you give to them? What are their expectations? And what are your expectations? And that's something to be clear about. Sounds like that method is a nice skill for people to take on no matter who is in the room at the time. Oh, those are Some of those are very fundamental ways of thinking about how we communicate, particularly in meetings and trying to make them effective. And this idea is both universal to your group, but also enables you to encompass that diversity. Definitely, absolutely. It's really around creating meaning. You need to be meaningful and you need to be meaningful if you have a multicultural team to a lot of different backgrounds, perspectives, and that will create the trust and the, somewhat the comfort even to speak out, to say, I might have an alternative solution to propose. There might be a different market that, market that we haven't uh, tapped in, etc. So creating that meaning and being able to communicate it to the right audience, because you know what, what the audience is composed of, that's definitely a key to it. Finally, what advice might you have for someone who's entering a new workplace, who comes from a background different from the country they are now finding themselves working, and they're on their first day, what could they do to help themselves uh, feel like they can make that workplace their own and be able to make those connections that will be so vital to their work? Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a really good question. Thank you very much. I will come back to what I said previously, which was around know and respect your own culture but and be open to other cultures. So arriving in a new country, most of us, we just want to fit in, which is good. But at the same time, when you're coming from a different culture, from a different background, and culture could be anything. It could also be a professional culture, mm. a discipline, uh, say uh, an engineer who's changing into marketing. Any of that type of diversity, it brings so much that you shouldn't hold back. 
Um, you will want to learn how things function, but what is really important to the team and to the organization is to know what you can bring in addition. That's most likely why you have been recruited into that place in, any, in the first place. Um, so that's something that people really expect. So communicating with the team, being very open, uh, being trustful and trustworthy, um, making sure that people understand the way in which you reason, in which you make predictions, in which you try to influence how processes um, or projects are going. Basically, communicating clearly is really the underlying source of how um, you will fit in and at the same time you will become the value that you and the organization are looking for. So trusting that your difference is actually something that people are likely to be seeking from you rather than losing it as a result of wanting to fit in. Exactly. Gabriel, thank you so much for your insights today. They've been truly wonderful to hear from you, knowing as well that you've been on this journey many times as you've worked across many countries. Thank you. Thank you again. For more information and to listen to other podcasts, please visit our website at mbs.edu.